0: Hey, listeners, did you know that Yogi Triathlete offers endurance coaching for body and mind? We offer personalized training plans for endurance sports, wellness and mindset, nutrition and recovery guidance, and race preparation and strategy, all within the supportive community of Team Yogi Triathlete. So if you're ready to conquer your fitness goals and push your limits, our endurance coaches are ready to guide you on the journey to peak performance. Go to triathlete.com today to set up your free 30-minute discovery call and embrace a future of strength, stamina, and achievement. Your goals, our experience, the perfect match for unstoppable success. It ended up being an outbreak that year. It was over 2,000 cases of West Nile virus in Colorado, and I was uh, the second person to get it. And the first person who got it, both of us went to the hospital on the same day and like news broke, like we were in the papers and everything. (laughs) And they didn't know what it was. And I was basically told, go home, isolate yourself, quarantine, stay away from your husband. We don't know what it is. And it was fear inducing. And I remember literally out loud, I just said, I live in Boulder, Colorado. I'm going to find a way.
1: There's this theory, it's called allostatic load. So it's this idea that As humans, we all have this innate amount of stress and things that we can balance on our plates. And some people have a platter, like a really wide plate, (laughs) and some people have like a little serving dish. So it's really important for us to be in touch with ourselves and realize how big our plate is and how filled our plate is. Because when things uh, start spilling off over that plate, that's when we start to feel the effects of stress.
0: Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete podcast and the first in a series of conversations dedicated to women's wellness. I'm Jess, mindset and wellness coach for Yogi Triathlete, and I'm joined today by Melissa, whose Yogi Triathlete offerings include herbal medicine, triathlon, and run coaching. You can learn more about Melissa and her background in episode 365, and there's a link to that in the notes for today's show. So. Unbeknownst to either of us, we were both contemplating how to use our experience and knowledge to better serve women in endurance sports. And when I received a hit to create a series alongside her, she came on board without hesitation. So we're thinking we're going to keep this series to three episodes over the next three months, and then we'll see where we go from there. So thank you for listening. We have uh, some questions to dive into and topics that we'd like to touch upon today, but please know we are here for you. We are here for spouses and partners of women. We are here to explore your curiosities about women's wellness within athletics and how herbs and wellness practices can better support your performance and overall health. So please reach out and let us know what you want to know. That said, Melissa, welcome to our show. Thank you, Jess. It's great to be back. (laughs) I'm so excited that, um, my gosh, we have another super strong woman in yogi triathlete that. Yes, you're bringing so much to triathlon and running, but now you've got this additional, I mean, and you had been doing it even before you came to Yogi Triathlete, but you have decided and blessed us all with allowing that service to flow through Yogi Triathlete. And you're already working with some of your athletes now. They're on Team Yogi Triathlete. And I think to get started, I'd like to, I think it's important for us to lay the groundwork, right? Like what why are we here? Like what, who are we? And give a little bit of background. We'll start with you. Give a little bit of background on yourself. Like what brought you to natural medicine and what do you feel within, you know, herbal medicine and natural medicines that is like your area of like, that really, mm, like really speaks to you.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I fell into herbal medicine not by mistake, but it really, it came to me. So during COVID I was furloughed from work for three months. So it was a very exploratory period for me. It's actually when I fell into my love for triathlon as well. So it's, it's funny that they kind of played together during that time period. But one of my close friends who I still work with today for her final project she was assigned to do herbal consults. So I think she had to meet with 10 people or so, but she had lightly mentioned it's May. me. I had just met her and I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to get into that and see if you can help me with some of the things I'm dealing with. So, um, during our consult, it was uh, like a July afternoon. We're sitting outside and she has all these plants in the back deck and, Um, it was just like one of those moments during the console, we were going back and forth. I was super into it. Um, I have an undergrad in biology, so just the way she was describing some of the herbs and how they work with the body really triggered my interest because one, I felt like I already understood what she was talking about. And how some of the things she was giving me were going to bring my body back to balance. And it just seems familiar at the start. It was like this feeling of, of um, something that I had already not been working with before, but something that seamlessly fell into place with my life. So I think we had the consult and maybe two weeks later, I enrolled in the same master's program it was, it was a non hesitation type thing. Um, but yeah, I graduated a few months ago and I've been working with quite a few people now and it's something I really enjoy. It comes natural to me. And, um, I love it because it's, it's something that you can also connect to modern medicine as well. Like I myself have had, um, a couple of health hiccups and I greatly appreciate the science and knowledge of modern medicine, but I think there's a lot of places, especially um, some chronic illness and just general things that people deal with day in and day out where herbal medicine can support the body's natural healing process. So instead of putting a Band-Aid on something or um, fixing it, it's supporting our own natural healing.
0: What about herbal medicine like, do you feel is within it the thing that really draws you? I want to say like your area of expertise, but I'm not, I'm not really loving that word. As far as like, I don't know if it's a population of people that you want to work with. I don't know if it's like a certain type of herb or plant, like what's the thing that calls you the most?
1: Two things. So first one came to me right off the bat. There's a category of herbs called adaptogens and This is something that's been studied for thousands of years, but it's really been taking off more recently. So you'll hear some popular herbs right now are ashwagandha and rhodiola root. Like They're all the rage because they bring balance and equilibrium to the body when we're under stress. So my whole niche area and what I've spent a lot of time working with people on is incorporating herbal adaptogens into their training cycles. So these herbs, they generally grow in these super harsh, tough environments. So uh, like rhodiola root, for example, it grows in the tundra above tree line. And the whole idea here is we're ingesting these herbs with these tendencies for hardiness and strong phytochemicals that make them strong. So when we take them on ourselves, they allow us to move through life stresses, um, whether they're physical, uh, mental, even social stresses. They allow us to kind of move through those times with some more grace and um, allow our nervous systems to bounce back more efficiently. So if you apply that to, let's say, a three-week training block for a race, it allows, let's say, during that recovery week after those three weeks for our body to really absorb the fitness and just to go through into training much stronger and, um, more adaptable. It's so interesting that they're
0: called adaptogens and they help us, you know, adapt to, to life and life stresses. So you have this really specific education in herbal medicine, Um, oh, I have one follow-up question that I thought of. If you're open to sharing, what was the initial thing that your friend was treating you for with the herbs?
1: Mm. I had a very uneasy stomach, like a fluttery stomach or sometimes, um, I wasn't using the bathroom regularly or I'd have like a sour feeling in my stomach from anxiety. And this is so ironic because the plant that she had me taking was lemon balm. And the botanical name for lemon balm is Melissa officinalis. <laughs> so I was, I was cracking up at this herb and I still rely on it daily. It helps me so much. Um, I just remember the second thing I wanted to mention was I've had such a huge draw on women's wellness the past six months or so. So I've been doing a lot for myself just in balancing my cycle and um, balancing my hormones as well. So I've kind of like gone headfirst into that since I've graduated now that I have some extra time and, um, there's a lot of passion and calling there too. All right. And just
0: for reference, I am 51, a few months away from being 52. How old are you? 31. 31. Okay. So I, I, this is another piece of this, this podcast series that I'm loving because um, there's 20 years span between the two of us and I've I've lived the 30s and I've lived the 40s and then I hit the 50s and I was like, I mean, quite frankly, like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Holy shit. And I think that through the holy shit um, of turning 50, oh, it was a really strange age. It was just, for me, it was just a very interesting Decade to step into both positive and and negative, I guess. But it really, I quickly grabbed onto this goal of aging gracefully. And there's so much that you can do in your 30s, in your 20s, and in your 40s to allow that ride into your 50s to be smooth. And I think the grace really comes from the practices and how you approach it. Now, that all said, my like, holy crap, I'm 51, going to be 52. Um, I also feel that I, for the last 30 years of practicing yoga has set me up for a very mild perimenopause, moving into menopause, but I'm still experiencing some things. Um, So to go a little bit into my background, like I just said, I've been studying and practicing yoga for 30 years, which is the science of the mind. And yoga has a sister science, which is Ayurveda. And Ayurveda is the uh, science of life, and it's the path to optimal health. And so these two go together because yoga gives you the discipline to stay the course of Ayurveda, which is that path to optimal health. And for me as an athlete, and I think that other athletes listening, uh, I bet the majority would hop on to this, like, yeah, I want optimal health. Like in my mind, why would I not want optimal health? So then, so, you know, at 50, uh, it, I guess it was probably bit, like more around 51 where all of a sudden I'd wake up in the middle of the night, like, what? Like, I'm not sleep. Like, what the heck? Um, that I knew that something was starting to, you know, to be off. So just, and we, we'll get into kind of signs and symptoms of what hormonal imbalance looks like, because I we're going to really think we're going to focus on that today and just see where that takes us, uh, specifically around stress. But Ayurveda is, you know, it's, um, it's about 3,000-year-old medicine. And the really interesting thing about Ayurveda, if you go back to its roots, you see a lot of the current medical model- uh, within this ancient science, they had pediatrics, they had surgery, they had all these different departments, they had geriatrics, they had this modern medical model that we have now thousands and thousands of years ago. And so Ayurveda is, like I said, the science of life, and not just human life, but all life, trees and nature. And so Ayurveda says that the moment of conception. There's a unique combination of the five elements. So earth, water, fire, air, and ether or space come together to create your physical body, your vessel that you drop into to live, right? The the vessel, our bodies that we give life to. And in that unique combination, you have... Um, The combination of these five elements are then broken into three different doshas. And the doshas are pitta, kapha, and vata. And pitta is fire and a little bit of water. Vata is air and space. And kapha is earth and water. So you have a primary constitution and that's your prakriti or your, and that's never going to change. Um, you're always going to have that primary constitution. Then there's your vritkriti, which is like, what's the current situation? Because everything is always changing. And we see it in our seasons. Before we turned the microphone and hit record, you and I were talking about like living in harmony with the seasons and with nature. And so we're actually moving out of vata season, which is the fall and we're moving into kapha season. So we're going to have more tendencies to kind of pull the covers up and not get out of bed for those early morning workouts. And people who have a primary constitution like kapha are going to have an extra tough time getting out of bed in the morning because that kapha is going to weigh them down. Because if you think about earth and water, when kapha begins to get um, imbalanced, that makes mud. Vata season is that fall season where things are drying out and there's no water in the Vata constitution. It's air and space and there's a lot of wind and there's a lot of change and leaves are falling and we're moving into winter from summer. And then of course, summertime is Pitta season. And so if you have a Pitta fire constitution, then you may experience more inflammatory issues in your body or even in your mind. You may get like really hot you may just be like oh my god I can't be out in the you know in the heat of the in the heat of the day so there's there's so much is such a complex science but that's kind of your basics and through herbs through primary practices of meditation and yoga and lifestyle we are able to like you said put that body into a place where the natural healing mechanisms to c- can come back into force and we can find balance again because when the body is in balance then there's no imbalance. there's absence of disease and that's what we're looking for when we're talking about um, you know working with herbs, working with wellness practices to help our bodies get into line. And you touched upon Western medicine. And yeah, if I fall down the stairs and break my leg, I'm probably not going to be able to just meditate that away. I'm going to go to the hospital. And so how wonderful of a time it is to be alive that we have all the modern technology for really incredible acute care. And um, and then also these sciences and these natural medicines, meaning non-pharmaceutical medicines that can support the body's natural healing mechanism. So really we have it all um, right now. So that's kind of like um, a little bit about where I'm coming from. But then coming to natural medicine came through West Nile virus when I was um, 30 years old and I had I guess I was 31, actually. And so 20 years ago, I I absolutely know the night that I got it. I I was in Boulder, Colorado, and our neighbor had... uh, She had just broken up with her girlfriend, and she was so distraught. And we lived in Boulder. Up, We backed up to these trails, and I was outside with her with my dog, and she was so distraught, and I was talking to her, and she was reading me this, like, really long letter that she was going to send her girlfriend, and she was... (laughs) And I remember being bit by mosquitoes that night. And it was so strange because we didn't really have a lot of mosquitoes in Colorado. I don't know if that's changed, right? Like everything's always changing. And um, and it was like exactly 10 days later, I woke up in the morning and I had red spots on my, like right in my core, like in my trunk, on my belly. And within a couple hours, it had gone up to my chest and wrapped around my whole body. And I knew enough at that point to realize there was something inside that needed to get out, and so um, I went to I went to you know emergency care, and um, it w- it ended up being an outbreak that year. It was over two thousand cases of West Nile virus in in Colorado, and I was uh, the second person to get it. And the first person who got it, both of us went to like basically went to the hospital on the same day and like news broke, like we were in the papers and everything. And, um, and they didn't know what it was. And I was basically told, you know, go home, isolate yourself, quarantine, stay away from your husband. Don't go. We don't know what it is. And it was really, uh, it was fear inducing. Um, the doctors were a little panicked. Um, I heard them talking. I was outside, I was inside the exam room and they were outside the exam room and I heard them talking and, and they were talking about death. And I, I just couldn't believe it at 31 years old. I mean, I had just, I had just gotten married. I was just starting my life. I felt like, and, um, and, and I remember driving down, if anybody lives in Boulder, they know this road. I was driving down ninth street in Boulder and, um, they had given me prescriptions, antibiotics. And I remember BJ called me and he said, did you, did you get your prescription yet? And I'm kind of fast forwarding the story. There's a lot of details here, but these are the important points. And he said, did you get that prescription yet? And I said, no, he goes, don't get it. And this is obviously like before HIPAA, but he's like, the doctor just called you don't, you have West Nile virus. And I was like, what? Like who has West Nile virus? And he's like, you have it. And um, they were like, don't take the antibiotics because it's going to weaken your immune system. And your immune system is basically the only thing that's going to get you to survive. And I was like, all right, well, I'm strong. Like I have a strong immune system. I'm going to be okay. And I remember getting off the phone and I remember literally my, out loud, I just said, fuck that. I live in Boulder, Colorado. I'm going to find a way. And a friend of mine was going to homeopathy school And, uh, I worked with her at the massage college. I was working at the massage college at the time and I went into her house and she was in school. And I said, I have West Nile virus and they don't have a cure and they don't know if I'm going to die. And they said I might get paralyzed. And she just laughed and she was like, ah, of course there's a cure. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And she put me on a remedy of belladonna and within 48 hours, I started to get my energy back. I had encephalitis, like swelling of the brain. It was really, really painful. That started to come back. I had a lot of pain through my central nervous system, um, through like my spine. That all started to dissipate. And then I started to seek uh, treatment at the acupuncture college. And those two things, I mean, they just transformed everything about my belief in the body's ability to heal and how I seek um my my own health. So that's in short what brought me to uh to this.
1: <laughs> I love that. I would have had you all hopped up on some immune supporting herbs. All the mushrooms, mm. echinacea, even like strengthening your your liver. Um dandelion root. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's amazing that you were able to just walk into your friend and she had immediate belief in in restoring you by supporting yeah. it. It sounds like your body's like we're talking about natural processes there
0: I went to an infectious disease specialist and it was um you know this person was just practicing their medicine but it was the most humiliating experience of my life it was like it was just everything was so wrong with that experience and I'm, I'm not condemning anything just all of that, because all of that served a purpose, it drove me to find another way. And there's, there is another way. And there's so many ways. Um, and then I do remember in acupuncture being on herbs, they put me on some herbs, um, and God knows what they were. That was so long ago, but, um, so, okay. So here's another question I have, like, what is What's like your reason for signing on to this, doing this women's wellness series with me? What is it that's driving you to be here and donating your time for everyone?
1: I just think it's knowledge that everyone needs. It's so important. I mean, we are cyclical beings. And as women, there's a lot to navigate through. Um, I'll share this. I was on birth control that stopped my period for almost 4 years and I got off it over the summer. And since then, I've of course gotten my period back and with that has been my entire cycle back with all the ups and downs that it brings. But as women, I think that we're meant to go through these cycles and changes because it's it's what makes us so strong. Like for example, when we're on our flow during menstruation so much arises that we have to work through and i think that's a part of being a cyclical being during you know during ovulation we're feeling spicy like we have so much energy to give we're creative like all this like beautiful blossoming flowering energy and then 2 weeks later we sometimes feel just the opposite but It's such a restorative time for us. And I just want to share with women, one, that it's okay to go through that. Like as women, we're supposed to. And two, we can go through these cycles in a much more balanced state if we take action while we're young to, like you mentioned, um, kind of lessen some of the symptoms that come about with menopause. And then same thing, just in our monthly cycle, we can be doing so much to avoid... Um, some of those PMS symptoms and and menstrual symptoms as well.
0: Yeah. And, you know, for me being here and and being inspired to create this series is all about assisting people, whether they're in their forties or fifties or twenties or thirties, who are listening to this, that there is a way to enter into, um, after we turn 50, we're starting to enter into our Vata stage of life. So we have our Kapha stage of life in our early, it's very nurturing, right? We're learning a lot. Then we move into the Pitta phase of life, twenties, thirties, even into our forties, just achieving, achieving, you know, striving. And then you move into your Vata phase of life, and um, and that's where I'm at now, where there's a lot of change that's happening. And so whatever I can do, I will share whatever anybody wants me to share. I'm a wide open book um, about being able to reach this phase of life with as much prep as possible. And I had no idea that I have spent the last 30 years of my life prepping for this. I had no idea because nobody tells you this. (laughs) You hear about it and you just think like that's... You don't even consider it because it's so far away. And no one told me that in my twenties and thirties, you know, I was already prepping myself, and perhaps I could have done a better job. I don't know. I think you can always do a better job, but I feel so incredibly grateful for the practices that I started so long ago because they have set me up for a really graceful transition in this huge time of change. Um, and also, I just I think the body is so amazing. You know, as a massage therapist for a long time, and I spent many years studying the body, you know, a decade, just studying the body. And that kind of leads me into our first topic, which is stress. Um, And the first time I really started to learn about stress was when I was studying the body in, in massage school. And I used to tell my clients like, you know, stress, it's not a, if it will kill you, it's a, when it will kill you. Cause it's just so devastating What happens um, to the body when we are under? We're going to be under stress, but if we don't have, you know, the herbal support or the practices to navigate stress in a way where we can return back to that homeostasis, there's going to be, you know, rapid aging. There's going to be deterioration of our health and well-being, mental and physical overall. So let's uh, let's dive into. Let's dive into stress. Um, And one of the things that you had sent me was the effects of stress on hormone balance um, through menstrual cycle, menopause, and life in general. And perhaps maybe we should start with... Should we start with like signs and symptoms of hormonal imbalance?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say signs of hormone imbalance would be if you... Menstrual phase or not if you are severely fatigued that's the number one red red flag for me digestive issues uh brain fog is a is a really big one, and just kind of like feeling like you're lacking vitality that would be a sign of hormone imbalance
0: yeah um unexplained weight loss or weight gain uh anxiety insomnia um irregularity right in your in your cycle in your periods um, changes in appetite digestion mm, digestion such a big one Ayurveda is all about healthy digestion because so much of our immune system is sitting right in our gut um, okay so let's talk about why don't you just start going on uh, on stress and how it affects hormonal balance we all have there's
1: this theory. It's it's an actual, it's something that we learned probably in high school. It's called allostatic load. So it's this idea that as humans, we all have this innate amount of stress and things that we can balance on our plates. And some people have a platter, like a really wide plate. (laughs) And some people have like a little serving dish. So it's really important for us to be in touch with ourselves and realize how big our plate is and how filled our plate is, because when things uh, start spilling off over that plate, that's when we start to feel the effects of stress. So stress directly has an effect on a hormone called cortisol, which is a part of the endocrine system. Cortisol is definitely not a bad thing. It's It's what gets you out of bed in the morning. It's what drives you forward. Um, And we have healthy ups and downs of cortisol throughout our day. But when there's an extended cortisol release from a prolonged stress time, that can have definitely some major effects on our endocrine system. So, for example, it will actually decrease GNRH. Which, an example of that would be estrogen. So when we have lack of estrogen in the body, that leads to more intense periods, um, more intense menopausal symptoms, hot flashes, infertility. We have so many people that are stressed out trying to get pregnant and struggling. And you'll find that as soon as people let go of that and um, let go of the timeline, lose that stress response, and end up getting pregnant. So just a lot of imbalances come about from from loading yourself up with too many things. And correct me
0: if I'm wrong. I remember this from massage school when we were learning about the endocrine system, that the hormonal system, which is essentially like our endocrine system, right? That's our hormonal system. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Okay. That they all work off of one another. There is, actually I remember like we were breaking down just like the structure of it all and like there's the way that they bind there's like it's very specific and very intelligent I can't I can't even remember so I'm not even going to be able to speak to it intelligently but what I was getting at is so if they're all working off of one another if one thing's off everything's off 100% yeah so you can't you can't just be going through life like hell on wheels and, you know, just enduring all this stress. And this is, this is our greatest gift and our biggest enemy as endurance athletes. We can endure. And so self-awareness goes a long way knowing when, you know, when it's, we're getting right to the edge of the cliff, you know, and, and having that willpower to pull ourselves back, to engage in something, to seek help through, um, you know, a health and wellness practitioner like yourself to help to get ourselves back online because it's not sustainable and eventually the body will burn out. So if we're talking about cortisol being high, you know, everything else is affected in the body. And so what do hormones do? Like, what are they regulating? What are they doing for us in the body?
1: I would say hormones are chemical messengers that keep our endocrine glands in balance. So like you said, it's, it's complicated because hormones, they stimulate other hormones. That's one of their main functions. But um, they're really, they keep our body in balance, like right down to even our blood pressure is controlled by hormones. So we're talking about the hormones that we can feel, but there's so much more that goes on in the body that's also controlled by hormones as well.
0: And we see a lot of like hypothyroid and hyperthyroid. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with somebody who uh, had been diagnosed with Hashimoto's and, you know, we we worked with that through um, diet through high vibrational foods, balanced diet, um, parasympathetic inducing practices like yoga nidra and gentle yoga meditation. And then they also sought the assistance of an acupuncturist and herbs. And it was so interesting because the Western model says, you know, you're going to have this forever. And when this person went back to the doctor and there was no signs of it whatsoever, they said, well, there's no signs of it, but you still have it. And this person was like, okay, you know, like want to respect you and, and your medicine and I get it. But through maintaining their diet, through they're still seeking acupuncture, parasympathetic stimulating practices they're healthy and they're doing so well. And so again, just a message that everybody is so unique, but if anything that we're saying like resonates um, it's so worth it just to, to reach out and maybe it's not us. Maybe it's someone we can direct you to that. There are, there are ways that our body is so intelligent and it's baseline is homeostasis and it's always trying to get back there. Always trying to get back there.
1: And to add on to that, Jess, diet is everything and balancing your hormones. We need micronutrients to make our hormones. Like a, a great example of that would be uh, magnesium and iron. So if we're lacking just those two basic nutrients, there's a lot of hormone balance imbalance that could come up as a result of that. And then the other thing I thought of just hearing that story um, was balancing the liver. So, like for example, someone with thyroid issues would want to seek herbal medicine or eat healthy to balance their liver, because it's actually a site that's involved in converting T4, which is the inactive um, thyroid hormone, to T3, which is active. So it sounds like you may have done some some liver balancing with that patient. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not,
0: I'm not a doctor. Like I don't know the T3 and the T4. Like we just worked with really making it a plant forward diet, high vibrational foods. I know cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower can help balance estrogen levels. I'm not quite sure how, but there's like a phytochemical in there. It's, I don't know how to pronounce it.
1: Phytoestrogens.
0: Yeah. And it, it promotes the, you know, balancing of, of estrogen and the hormones, um, protein rich foods. They're important because they provide the body with building blocks, um, needed to make hormones, right. The amino acids. And I know that, you know, once you get to be my age, i I keep hearing this repeatedly. So I just jumped on board with it and I, it's, I think it's helping is just, I have incorporated more protein into my diet because I want to keep my skeletal muscle nice and healthy. Um, so I eat a plant-based diet um, and I love tofu. So I've been having tofu, but I've also been having split mung bean um, with basmati rice and split mung bean, super high protein bean, but it's also really easy on digestion. And combined with basmati rice, very easy on digestion. Because sometimes if people start to bean up, you know, just start like eating a bunch of beans or nuts, um, you know, it might be too much. And, you know, with Ayurveda, it's like, just because broccoli is good for me and broccoli is good, it might not be good for everyone, meaning it may cause digestive issues. And so... Knowing your dosha, if that interests you, you can go to Banyan Botanicals and you can create an account there and you'll take two tests. You'll take the first test will give you your primary constitution. Be as honest as possible without overthinking. Because this is I've come up against that barrier um, with athletes before. They're just overthinking it way too much. Um, and then you take a, and that will give you your prokriti, that primary constitution. And then you take it again based on like the last couple of weeks or 30 days, and that will show you what's your current situation. And then through food, through you know yoga, meditation, herbs, things like that, you can help to bring the uh, elevated doshas back down so then again your body is moving into a state where there's absence of disease and A long time ago, I watched this documentary called The Gerson Method. Um, Gerson, Charlotte, I think her name is Charlotte Gerson. And they were talking about, um, it was about cancer primarily. And they have a, I think they have a center here in San Diego, or they might've even have had to move it to Mexico because it was so effective, but it was treating um, cancer patients and really like with high vibrational, like foods and juices and things like that. But I, the biggest takeaway I took from that was she was saying the thing about the body is that when one thing heals, everything heals that we don't selectively heal, you know? And that's why so many times, and maybe athletes can relate to this. It's like your calf is sore, but if you really go to like a, A practitioner that knows their stuff, they're probably going to work your right shoulder or your neck or your (laughs) right hip. And then all of a sudden your calf is going to feel better because, you know, we're just one big piece and that goes for our muscular system, our skeletal system, and of course our internal organs and our hormonal system as well. That, you know, when one thing heals, everything heals. Uh, so specifically continuing with this, uh, this topic of stress. So foods, huge. Um, any other foods that you, that, um, you recommend for like hormone balance?
1: First thing I think of is foods that are rich in, I mentioned this before, iron and magnesium. So for me, an example of that would be, um, hemp seeds, chia seeds, you mentioned before beans, any kind of, dark leafy vegetable, kale, broccoli, all that good stuff. And I think if we can just honestly eat as green as possible, that will have huge benefits. And there are herbs too that you can take that are super uh, nutrient dense. One of them people find this shocking is is stinging nettle has such a strong chlorophyll content. Um, And iron content as well. So super important for women who are menstruating. After your cycle, you might want to take some nettle to kind of build back that iron. Um, And then some other herbs. Alfalfa is a great one. You can buy alfalfa um, powdered and just kind of add it into your smoothie. But it smells beautiful. And there's just a lot of uh, strong nutrients that you can get Mm -hmm. taking that in. All right,
0: so effects of stress. Um have we covered like through the menstrual cycle how it affects it?
1: Yeah. I can add to that. I would say you can notice for me, I I notice that if I have a stressful month leading up to my menstrual cycle, when that menstruation hits, my cramps. And my fatigue levels are, are much higher. So like you mentioned earlier, anything you can do to balance your nervous system um, from a state of meditation or yoga nidras, getting enough sleep, prioritizing your diet, and I would also recommend a few herbs as well. So the women that I work with, one, one specific herb is red raspberry leaf. So... You'll find this herb on a lot of labor teas just because of how, um, nutritional it is for women that are trying to get pregnant, but it's really an herb that you can benefit from taking all month long. So I'll have my clients take that, um, pretty much throughout the month. It also has a high iron content too, like the nettle, and then, um, Herbs specifically for lowering stress would be some of the ones I talked about before. Um, Lemon balm is a great one. There's a whole category of herbs called nervines. We don't have to get too detailed into this because I know we have three parts to talk about, but um, simple things like drinking herbal teas before bed. So one that I drink, it has an herb called skullcap, which um, really benefits my sleep lemon balm lavender and then a strong nervine to help relieve anxiety and stress is milky oats so yeah the the list definitely could go on, but there's a lot you can do. The
0: the list is so big. Like before (laughs) I go to sleep at night, I do, um, like a warm sesame oil massage on my feet and it doesn't take long. Um, and then I just put socks on and that's a nice warming practice, especially in, um, in, in the winter season. And then I'll take, I have some really beautiful, just organic lavender oil, and I'll put a couple drops on my temple, one right in the center of my forehead. And then like on, um, on the glands in my neck and at the base of my head. And I'll put a little bit on my pillow too. Um, I've also been taking, um, and maybe we should move on into the menopause section, but I've been taking a couple ashwagandhas before I go to sleep at night. I have slept my, I slept 50 years of my life, like the dead, N- like phew, eight hours a night, 12 hours a night, 10 hours a night, never had trouble with sleep. And I wouldn't even say that I would consider it trouble with sleep because my mindset around sleep uh is something that I changed years ago because I realized that I was very attached to like how many hours I was getting and it was actually stressing me out so perhaps that's a a topic for another day of how I did that but that was I did that in my 30s and that has paid dividends changing my relationship to what I How, like, how many hours of sleep that I get. And boy, is it set me up for very stressful um, experiences in my 50s with, I'm assuming that's hormone imbalance. Like, my hormones are kind of all over the place because I'll, I'll wake up and I'm like, I'm up. I'm like, all right, I'm up. And so, I, uh, I come downstairs, I'll roll out my yoga mat. I'll do some gentle yoga. And again, like I'm not getting upset about it, but that was work I did 15 years ago. Thank God, because I can't even imagine how stressful that would be if I didn't change that relationship. So if anybody has questions on that for a few, for maybe next month's podcast, please let us know. I'm happy to share um, my experience with that. But the ashwagandha is something I'm taking two of those before I go to bed at night. And um yeah, it's it seems to be I'm having way more, you know, if there's seven nights of sleep in a week, there's one or two where I'm waking up in the middle of the night now. So again, I think I'm having pretty mild symptoms, but to me, that's still not optimal. And I really just want optimal. Um, so can you explain how like, uh, somebody like me who, and I'm still getting my period, um, irregularly, but I'm still getting it. Um, and I just actually just had a super healthy one that my acupuncturist is going to be so happy about because we were working (laughs) on something else in my body to build blood and, and get circulation. And in, um, in tandem, the thing that we were working on in my ankle, seems to be pretty healed. And then I had this like period, like I was 17 years old um, and it was just, it was gorgeous, uh, the color and everything. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to tell her about it. But um, so I would assume to categorize, I'm in perimenopausal, like I'm not, I'm still getting it irregularly, but I'm still getting it from here or there. But somebody my age is starting to experience some symptoms Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about stress and how something like ashwagandha or another adaptogen can, can help.
1: Yeah. I would definitely talk to you and whoever else I'm meeting with about ways to balance your stress. Number one, I would think about incorporating some nervines for that case. Number two, adaptogens, 100%. And then there are some very specific female adaptogens um, that I know Jess is very familiar with. One of them is called, I apologize if I am butchering the pronunciation, Dung Kui? I've heard of that one. It's spelled D O N G Q U A I. So, (laughs) yes, I believe that's how it's pronounced. It's a TCM herb, so traditional Chinese medicine but it's categorized as the female ginseng. So the whole idea is it's actually a phytoestrogen to the body. So like you mentioned before, um, there's phytoestrogen foods that we can take, and there's also phytoestrogen herbs. This is one of them. So for hot flashes, I would definitely recommend this herb. Um, For our women who are not yet reaching menopause, it's amazing for PMS as well. So anything like breast swelling, mood swings, uh, bloating, um, brain fog, it's going to bring some vitality back to the body and it mimics estrogen is the whole idea. So if you're lacking estrogen during menopause or you're lacking estrogen during your flow, it will bring some of that back to the body. And then I was thinking about how you mentioned you take the ashwagandha before bed I don't know if you knew this, but you're getting a double whammy there. So ashwagandha is going to support your hormones because it's an herbal adaptogen. So it's bringing your body back to balance. And then another thing ashwagandha does, it, it helps the body sleep through the night. So it doesn't necessarily help you fall asleep, but it will prevent some of those, let's say, two, 3 a.m. Work, uh, wake-ups in the middle of the night that you may be experiencing.
0: I don't have trouble going to sleep. And I hear that a lot too. People will be like, I go to sleep, but then like four hours later I'm up. So I have noticed uh, a difference with that. Um, What are some, you had said phytoestrogen foods. What would be, or yeah, what would be some, some foods?
1: Soy. Okay. Soy. Soy would be one. Um, I'd have to think about it. Okay. And the other question is, how do you
0: know, how would you know if you were low in estrogen? I mean, I know because I'm exhibiting some symptoms.
1: I don't know for sure, get, but we well, I know that the reason we experience PMS symptoms is because our body's low in estrogen. So with menopause, it would be the same way. Like an example of that. I, I know one definite example that you're low in estrogen would be vaginal dryness. <laughs> That's like a, a telltale sign. Mm-hmm. The other symptoms that we experience with menopause could be kind of like a whole mixture of unground hormones. But that symptom in specific is 100% lack of estrogen. And herbally, there's um, a lot of topical creams that you can use. If you're if you're dry down there, so,
0: and that is also would speak to like vata, and there there could be a vata imbalance there, um, because vata is so dry. Um, people who have vata dosha tend to have drier skin. Like you can't like, put enough oil on, um, and so that that could be there could be an imbalance there. Um, but again, like really. Really supportive of you know your medicine is herbs are such a big part of Ayurvedic medicine as well, um, and sesame oil is really good for balancing Vata dosha. So there is a practice in Ayurveda called Abhyanga, where it's self massage, and I do this probably a couple times a week, and this has really helped with hot flashes. Um, sleeping, um, and just that vata balancing because in. I'm in the Vata phase of life. And then we just went through Vata season, which is kind of like hell on earth for a Pitta dosha, which is what my primary dosha is because shit's just all over the place. (laughs) Stuff is blowing, you know, things are drying out. And, um, so you want to keep your eye on those types of symptoms. So I take, um, in the summertime, it's coconut oil, but in the fall and in the wintertime, it's sesame oil. And it's just this really, Beautiful act of self care and in self love, and I've I've actually worked with some clients that just aren't there yet. They're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. I can't like, can't massage myself. I can't feel my body like that, and that's okay. Like, there's there's other things that we can. There's some stepping stones we can go. Um, Maybe you could just do your feet. I think being a massage therapist for a long time and, you know, I just love it. And I've always done that like full body massage, but a couple times a week, I'm just in the bathroom with some warm sesame oil. I start with my feet. You do all your major joints and just, um, you know, through like through your armpits into like your breasts and, and moving all of that beautiful lymph. And, um, then I do coconut oil in the hair, and then I'll take a hot, hot shower and steam it all up. So it's, um, and if you have a, I don't have a bathtub, but if you have a bathtub, getting into a nice, hot, steamy bath is a really wonderful way to, um, help the body come into balance, get that vata dosha down a little bit.
1: Man, I'm going to have to hop in the tub after this. That sounds so amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you want to do a nice warming, but don't do in the wintertime coconuts too it's coconut is, um, kapha aggravating it's elevating. So you don't want that. You want the sesame oil in the winter time, coconut oil in your hair is great. Uh, and then in the summertime I'll do coconut cause coconut is very cooling, but in the wintertime, we don't want to use coconuts too cooling. It's already cold and you don't want to elevate that kapha dosha too much. So summertime is coconut and fall and and into the winter, early spring, we use sesame oil, and I just get an organic sesame oil from whatever sprouts, whole foods, in a glass container, and I and I use that. Um, wow, we had a whole list of topics. We haven't gone very far.
1: <laughs> real, real quick, there's a lot of grounding teas you can take too for Vata imbalance. Um, mm. Turmeric tea mixed with some ginger. Ex- it's funny, the teas that ground us are the root teas. No surprise there. So licorice mm-hmm. is another one combined with some cardamom. Um I love thinking about these teas because they all like just have this uh kind of like grounding, earthy, rich color and smell when you're drinking them. So I think relationshiply, like when you're drinking the tea yes, you're tasting it and it's having a direct effect on your body, but like just the whole, um, kind of like sacred act of smelling the tea and holding the tea. Like that's, that's grounding on its own. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: you know, we were, before we started this podcast, we were like, I don't even know if we're going to get through the first topic. And we didn't, I mean, we're we're still talking about stress (laughs) and hormonal balance. Um, and so we're gonna, we're gonna leave it here. And, um, I hope you listeners were able to pull away some notes, some curiosities, please let us know how we can be better for you. How can we, um, you know bring your questions and your curiosities to this community because if you have the question somebody else has the question too and there's nothing off the table we've talked about periods and vaginal dryness and oh my god my poor podcast producer john hang in there john um <laughs> And this is just the way it is. So um, there's nothing off the table here. But I thought one thing I, I wanted to answer a question that was posted for us specifically. And then um, let's so let's start there. She wanted to this is from Linda. Um who wants to hear our thoughts on staying motivated in the winter and moving in gentle ways. She feels like hibernating. So this is exactly what I was talking about at the beginning of the show that we're in kapha season. And knowing Linda, I think she probably has a lot of kapha. Um, And so this is real. The struggle is real here. Not everybody has like a ton of fire to be like, I'm going to win the day every day. And that's okay. You, You don't have to. I do think knowing your constitution, if you're interested in that, is super important. Um, And then we can answer your questions more specifically as well. But um, I'm going to hand this over to you, Melissa, since you are a triathlon and running coach, and you may be coming up with this with some of your athletes. But how about uh, staying motivated in winter uh, to get the body moving. And she's talking about gentle ways, um, which may not be exactly what a kappa needs. (laughs) They might need a little bit of like uh, FTP and VO2 max. But um, so let's just take it general. Some thoughts on staying motivated instead of
1: hibernating. I can definitely talk to this. It's something I'm coming up against and I have athletes coming up against right now. Um, I know it's hard in the winter. We wake up We are in this nice warm bed and it's not like in the summer where you can just put on a tank top and shorts and go be in the the warmth and kind of get it going. So one thing I do in the morning, I have, I'm in my bike room right now doing this podcast, but I have this little space heater that I bring in and I have it on the floor. I just turn it on and I put music on. So I bring, I bring my tea up in the morning. I'm drinking some dandelion tea right now because... I feel like my liver needs some support. So I'll come up with my tea, and I'll just stretch like very lightly, kind of wake my body up, um, give it what it needs and then I'll get on the bike. And a lot of times I'll have a high intensity workout on the plan that day. I teach a um, cycling class Tuesday and Thursday. That's a build program. So there's a lot of, like you mentioned, FTP intervals and vo2 max and all that stuff and when i'm feeling like cold in the morning the thought of doing that right out of bed and not warming up first does not sound so appealing so i'll just spin it out for at least 10 minutes or so on the bike um sometimes i listen to a part of a podcast or maybe even a sermon just to kind of get my heart straight and then once i'm centered i'll move into the higher intensity stuff but i I found I'm much more welcome to the higher intensity exercise if I keep my body up first and take some time in the morning to um nourish my soul before I before I put my head down and put in hard work. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love
0: that. Um you know, Beej and I get up very early in the morning. Sometimes I get up at 4, most of the times are up at 5 and like today from, and this is most days, like from five to six is like, we do our medicine cards. I'm doing Gua Sha. That's a whole other amazing self-care, um, practice that I love on all my major joints to get circulation going. I use a Gua Sha tool and we roll out our mats. Um, so this is for you, Linda, roll out your mat, cat, cow, down, dog, child's pose, little bit of plank to get some fire stoked, back to child's pose. Um, And for me, getting up early outweighs the numbers of hours of sleep that I get. Even if I'm up in the middle of the night, it outweighs everything because that slow roll into the day, because as soon as life wakes up and my do not disturb comes off my phone. Texts are rolling in. I'm like, Oh, I got to get podcast guests scheduled. I got, I've got clients today that I'm talking to. Oh, I've got to do QuickBooks. Like there's a lot. I'm going in a lot of different directions throughout my day. So for me, you got to find out what your non-negotiable is. And for me, that quiet time in the morning and my poor husband, cause he's just like, can I put the light on to go in the bathroom? You know, I'm like dark. And I've got like these bookmark lights and I have like some little twinkle lights. and like, that's it. Like, I don't want any more lights on because I just love that quiet time in the morning. It's so incredibly sacred. But I have found that rolling out the mat and Linda and I are the same age, rolling out that mat and gently starting to move the body to wake the body up is, is, I think it's one of the most loving things that you can do. And, you know, yoga is a really strong practice too. So I've been doing, I do it, you know, 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes a day. And sometimes I'll do 10 in the morning, 20 at night or 10 and 10 doesn't really matter. The time is like irrelevant. It's just, um, there's so much about yoga and actually I'll leave the the audience today with, I've got some yoga tips. I've got five different things that I wrote up here for hormone balance, but I'm just going to pick one, um, uh, from the asana, which is the physical practice of yoga and, uh, cobra pose. So you can just Google cobra pose, but basically why I love cobra and I'll do cobra. So you lay in on my, I'm laying on my belly and my hands right under my shoulders and I'll kind of press up just a little bit and then I'll go back down. Maybe I'll do that a couple times and then I'll move my hands to like mid rib and then press up a little bit more when I'm ready, come back down and then I'll go right to the bottom of my ribs and press up and do like a really nice up dog. And that's massaging and stimulating the adrenal glands. And then it also stretches your neck and your throat so it can actually help and improve your thyroid function. So I'll I'll leave that as kind of my, my wisdom tip of the day is just cobra pose and if you're not familiar with it, I gave a little description, but just go ahead and, and Google it online. It's a really great one. So, yoga is, really supports all the systems of the body, but that's one pose that you could do. Um, and, Melissa, what, what's one thing you'd want to leave women with today? Um, you know, some of your knowledge or a takeaway or a practice that they could engage with until we come together again next month?
1: I'd say it's winter. Don't be afraid to slow down right now. Honor your body. Wake up early. Do some of the things Jess and I talked about. It's so important. Um, yeah, as mammals, this is our time to slow it down. It doesn't have to be super slow, like a like coffee, coffee imbalance slow, but just healthfully, slow. <laughs> healthfully slow to where you feel like you can hold it all on your plate very comfortably. Yeah. Yeah,
0: beautiful. I love it. Okay, I hope you guys took away some gold today. Um, again, let us know how we can be better for you. Uh, wh- what do you What are you curious about? What can we bring to the table? There's a wealth of knowledge here, um, so much so that sometimes it's hard to figure out how we're gonna, you know, pass it along in a way that even makes sense. So uh, we got through one of like the four things we were going to talk about today. So (laughs) we've got plenty to talk about. Um, Some of the things that we were thinking about uh, for this, but we'll take it to the next show is... um, you know, liver health. We talked a little bit about that today. Liver tonifying herbs to um, to support their Iron, which is a big one with athletes and women. I'll share more of these practices um, to help balance hormones. Um, and then one thing that I've experienced, which I want to talk about with you too, extreme menstrual cramping, like. Yeah. And there's a little story around that where I was literally begging God to just take me. It was so incredible. I was like, just take me.
1: Just <laughs> got, take me now. We got some herbs um, for that. Don't No
0: worries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have them anymore, but boy, I want to save somebody from, boy, those couple of experiences I had, boy. Um, And then also a, a little more detail I'd like to go into about, because I know your female athletes, you're tracking their cycles and timing the workouts with their cycle. it's just so amazing what you're bringing to the women on the team here. And, um, you know, I thought my husband said period a lot, but now he's saying it like 10 <laughs> times more than he's ever said it. So, um, please pass on any of that wisdom to him as well. So, um, all right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Melissa. You're amazing. I'm so grateful that you are donating your time. Um, and if you want to find out more about the services that uh, Melissa and I offer through Yogi Triathlete, go to yogitriathlete.com, go to coaching, and you'll see the whole menu of uh, of services that we have available for you.
1: Thanks, Jess. Yeah, I'm super excited to keep diving in here. And guys, reach out whatever, whatever questions you have, bring them to us. We'd be happy to get to them in the next two parts here.